What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. Today, we've got a special Celebrity Monday mailbag for you, as well as a lot of talk on week one NFL action. Also going to get you up to date on the latest in the NBA playoffs. Episode 14 coming at you right now. everybody and thank you for tuning in today. This is a Monday episode which means we're recording on Sunday and it has been a glorious day full of sports. I woke up early today, got all my stuff done and then since about one o'clock I have barely moved watching every sporting event imaginable. My biggest struggle today has been trying to find enough screens to try to watch all of those events at the same time but it's been awesome. P, how you doing? I'm overwhelmed, but in a positive way, like you were saying. I mean, watching the first full one o'clock slate of NFL games today, but kind of in the middle of the action, having to change over to game six of Clippers Nuggets. I mean, that's something we've never had to deal with before. The NBA typically ends, what, like mid-July? Yeah. So having NBA playoffs, you know, we're about to be in the conference finals and just having full Sundays of NFL games too is awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, I mean, not even to mention, it's a less important game, but we had the Braves going on at 1235 today too. Just so many sports happening at the same time. And we have a golf major next weekend too. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. I don't know how we're going to do it. I need I need every TV. I need to recruit some TVs. Yeah, we, we actually might need to go out and buy a few this week. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to kick it off like normal on Mondays with our Monday mailbag. Pete, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? We got a few questions. Uh, you go ahead and kick it off. Okay, I'll go ahead and kick it off. Um, the first question today is from Trevor in Clemson. And he wants to know, if you were going to be an NFL quarterback next year, would you rather live in Jacksonville, Florida and play for the Jags or in Cleveland, Ohio and play for the Browns? Ooh, that's an interesting question, Trevor. Uh, I guess he's got this on his mind. Yeah, he's just been thinking about it a lot lately. I mean, we'll see whether what actually happens to this guy. But yeah, he's just been it's been kind of keeping him up late at night. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. I mean, Jacksonville, that sounds tough, but I'm not sure that they are going to have a need at quarterback. I mean, I'm serious. I, I think that... <laughs> oh my gosh. Come so, on now. So you're laughing at me, but... think Okay, think about this. The Washington football team just had the number two overall pick and decided to stick with Dwayne Haskins. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Jags could get even the number one overall pick this year and roll with Gardner. I completely disagree with that. <laughs> they are... If if any team... I don't care what team it is. Well, okay, that that's wrong. I do care what team it is. But if a team without a star quarterback this year has the number one pick, they are taking Trevor from Clemson. They're, they're, they're going to do it, no matter what. I don't know. Okay, so who were the quarterbacks in this year's draft? You had Joe Burrow, who was consensus number one overall. Tua was the second quarterback taken in the draft. I mean, he could have gone number one. He was the favorite to go number one before the season started. So if the Redskins or the Washington football team can pass on a guy like Tua, I mean, it could happen. Yeah, I just I just don't think it's going to happen. I think their entire offseason, every move that they have made is predicated on trying to tank for Trevor. And just because of that background, that's why I think they're going in that direction. 
Okay, well, we're going to find out. I mean, now they're 1-0, so they might not get as high of a pick as we were projecting to start the season. What if they go undefeated? <laughs> Maybe they could. Well, just to answer the question before we move on, would you rather play quarterback in Cleveland, Ohio for the Browns or in Jacksonville for the Jags? I'm going to go with Cleveland for the Browns because at least if you live in Cleveland, there's things to do like go to a Cleveland Cavaliers game, go to a <laughs> Cleveland Indians game. That okay. sounds fun, right? Okay. Well, we're just going to go straight disagreement on this one because I'm living in Jacksonville all day. I'd much rather go to the beach than go to a Cavs game, especially <laughs> with the current iteration of the Cavs. You never know, man. What if LeBron comes back? <laughs> all right. Let's move on. What you don't, do you, you don't like you all these absurd hypotheticals? No, these are unbelievable. It's just... <laughs> I'm, I'm serious about the Jags not taking a quarterback. But anyway, let's move on. This next mailbag question that I had, it came via email. This is from actually Gardner in Jacksonville. Oh, wow. And he wants to know, am I elite? <laughs> no, you're not elite. Not what? even close. Okay, well, you beat Noodle Arm Phil in game one. You didn't even throw for 200 yards. Your team got completely outplayed in every possible statistic except for the final score. So I know your your mustache is elite. And I mean, your swag is elite. You're a pretty cool guy. And I want to be friends with you. But as far as quarterback play is concerned, I'm going to go with no, not elite. Okay, well, you're fading Minshew mania. I don't know if that's going to work out for you, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll also agree with you. He's not elite, but he could be someday. I mean, the Jags just have to give him a chance. The guy is electric. I'm rooting for him all the way. I mean, how can you not want Gardner, Gardner Minshew to succeed? But uh, for now, I'm saying no. Okay. Well, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of weapons around him. He, he has DJ Chark out there who could be a really good receiver through a touchdown to him today. Not elite, but I, I like Gardner. You don't consider LaVisca Chenault a weapon? I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I do. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on to the next question. This one is from Jamie C in Detroit. And he wants to know how come NFL players can get ejected for headbutting people in the chest? I just thought you couldn't hit them in the head. <laughs> yeah, I saw Jamie Collins got ejected for that today. It was a little bit of a weak call, but I mean, I guess you can't approach um, refs and do anything kind of threatening to them and get in their personal space. What did you think about that call? Well, he clearly left out of the question the fact that it wasn't a player he did this to. He decided to headbutt a ref in the chest. So yeah, you can't do that, Jamie. You're going to get ejected every single time. Shout out to Carl Everett. Remember him? Was he on the Red Sox, I think, when he headbutted the umpire and got ejected for it? He was. I also first thought of Zinedine Zidane, who back in the day for France in the World Cup just decided to go full like full throttle serious contact headbutt to the chest and got insta red card and that didn't turn out well for him Zinedine Zidane Hall of Fame name Hall of Fame headbutter yeah what a guy love that Okay, so this uh, last question from the mailbag actually came from Adam Gase himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, New York Jets head coach. And he wanted to know, shoot your shot sports. Are you guys hiring? (laughs) Uh, We currently don't make enough money doing this podcast to hire anybody. But as soon as we make more than zero dollars, I think Adam Adam Gase is a decent first hire, right? I think so. I mean, he's, he's got some experience. He's been around the block a little bit. But yeah, I think he's getting a little bit nervous about joining the unemployment line here in about four or five weeks when the Jets start 0-5, 0-6. But we do have you know a potential need for a sound slash audio editing intern. It'll probably be an unpaid internship. But if he gets some decent like buyout money or however that works from the Jets, he, he might be willing to do that for us. Yeah, I mean, we're not the two most technologically competent people of all time. I mean, we had to use our sister's help a little bit this summer when she was around for for a little IT help. And now that she's gone back to Texas, I think Adam Gase could be a solid IT guy. I think he could. Yeah, we'll we'll keep him in mind. Adam, please send along your resume. Resume, cover letter, and um, 
and special skills, special, special skills resume. Special skills. Yeah. <laughs> yes. His special skills are suppressing offensive talent, but I don't think that'll be a problem around here. Yeah. We don't have that much offensive talent to suppress. So exactly. It's cool. All right. Yep. Sweet. <laughs> well, let's talk about some actual NFL action. We're going to start off talking about a couple of teams who would just expect to dominate and be really good again this year because they were awesome last year, starting with the first game of the season, which was on Thursday night, the Chiefs versus the Texans. What did you see in that game, P? I saw the Chiefs asking the NFL a question of, do you have any harder games? Mm -hmm. I mean, who's going to challenge them this year? I don't know. They are so good. I mean, I was watching them, and especially in the first half, when I watched Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, I just don't, I don't get what you're supposed to do with that, especially with all those weapons around him. Like we know how many guys they already had and those guys lived up to the expectations, especially Sammy Watkins, who had a great game. We all really wanted to see what Clyde Edwards Lair looked like. And he just comes out of the gate, killing it. He had 25 carries for like 138 yards. One interesting thing about that is that at LSU, one of his primary strengths was catching the ball out of the backfield and they didn't even really throw it to him at all. They just handed it off to him 25 times. And he's just so hard to tackle. He's a little fire hydrant. You know, he's 5'7". He's all legs. He's so low to the ground and he's so shifty. I mean, just add that guy into the mix of what was already an insanely good offense. I Like you're saying, I don't know who stops them this year. Yeah, weapons everywhere. Tyreek Hill actually didn't have his best game, but Sammy Watkins stepped up. I think had 82 yards and a touchdown. I mean, the Chiefs are just, you kind of know exactly what you're going to get. With Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek on the defensive side, who Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones. I mean, they're just so good. They have so much talent. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the running back situation was kind of the only unknown coming into the season. Returned 20 of 22 starters. He's probably an upgrade at running back. I mean, they just are probably a heavy Super Bowl favorite uh, to repeat in my mind. So we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, they're going to be tough. We'll have plenty of time to talk about them in the future because they're going to be sticking around for a while. On the other side, the Texans did not look great. And obviously, it's easy to not look great against the Chiefs. But their offense especially just didn't look very explosive. I think they're really going to miss DeAndre Hopkins this year. Right now, we're watching part of that Cardinals game and DeAndre Hopkins is just killing it. I mean, just not having him around is tough. So it's funny because you have your back to the TV. I'm pretty sure that DeAndre just caught a touchdown. So Uh now he's got like 13 or 14 catches for 160 and a tutty. Yeah, he's killing it. Yeah, it's like DeAndre Hopkins or Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry, the quarterback for the Texans is really the only like super talented player on that offense. Can Mm -hmm. you imagine if he got to ever play with a guy like DeAndre Hopkins? (laughs) Yes, that's tough. I mean, to be fair, a little bit to the Texans front office, David Johnson did look pretty good, especially in the first half. I mean, he's not a complete waste of a trade but he's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not the best receiver in the NFL today. Still think that's a tough trade. They're going to miss him this year. I just don't think their offense is going to be quite as capable of putting up points without him. No, it is not. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on to the next uh, returning really good team, which was the Ravens. They played the Browns today, and I don't know which team to start with. I guess we start with the Ravens because we're going with the good teams. They look awesome. Lamar Jackson is a freak. I mean, he didn't have to even run the ball very much today. I think he only had like seven carries because he was dominating through the air. And plus, they just got to scale it back the entire second half because they were up by so much. But he completed 80% of his passes for 275 yards and three touchdowns. What would you see there? 
Yeah, Lamar just continues to be a cheat code. He's an MVP form. He, you know, could repeat as MVP this year. The biggest question about this offense and this team in general is just their weapons on offense, especially their pass catchers. I mean, Mark Andrews, just their absolute beast of a tight end, caught two touchdowns today. Hollywood Brown on the outside had over 100 yards. But these guys are just going to need to step up a little bit when they get to the playoffs and start playing tougher defenses, need to score more points. Lamar is just going to have to, you know, throw the ball outside the numbers, throw the ball downfield. So can those guys get open and get open consistently and make plays for Lamar yeah that's one of the bigger things I was looking out for today was just the wide receiver involvement in that offense I know we mentioned last episode that last year the Ravens wide receivers combined for only like I think it was 115 or 116 catches total on the season and they don't have to do a lot in this offense but they've got to do something so Hollywood having five catches today and Willie Sneed having four I mean, if they just did that every game, if receivers combined, I mean, those two guys had nine, I think a couple of their guys pitched in there. If the receivers every game, just like 12 to 15 receptions with how well they run the ball and how good their tight end play is, I mean, that offense is just that much better. It is. And their their run game is just the identity of that team. With Lamar running, they got Mark Ingram who can pound it in. And then one interesting thing today, especially from a fantasy football perspective, is J.K. Dobbins, the rookie out of Ohio State. He only had seven carries on the day, but he scored two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he gets the goal line carries, that's huge for fantasy footballers yeah because they're going to be around the goal line quite a lot I mean that's got a lot of touchdowns on the board for J.K. Dobbins if he has that role yes it is so I mean you know what you have in the Ravens they were a very strong contender for the Super Bowl this year keep an eye on them on the other side of the field on this one the Browns man what an absolute disaster of a start for the Kevin Stefanski era in Cleveland what'd you think about the Browns performance so yeah they they don't look good I mean it was bad today I do want to reserve judgment for a little bit longer. I'm trying to scale back and not be overreaction guy right now because the Ravens do this to a lot of people. They're a really good team. They were 14 and two last year for a reason. So I think we need to wait a few more weeks to like completely cast the Browns aside as a terrible team and as a failure, but it was not a good start. It wasn't. And it's funny because I picked the Browns to make the playoffs as a wild card on our episode last week, but now I'm going to go full overreaction guy. I like how you are overreaction guy. That's kind of, that's part of your role here is you are overreaction. I love to overreact to things. And my overreaction on this one is you look at the Browns. We mentioned new head coach, Kevin Stefanski. They also have a new GM. It was John Dorsey the past few years. And now it's Andrew Barry who they hired this off season. Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's long for this world. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if he's the future in Cleveland. You get to a point where you look at your team, how you can improve and you say, Baker Mayfield, he's not the guy that we drafted. He, we didn't hand select him to come and be our franchise quarterback. And then this is also not the GM, obviously, who traded for Odell Beckham. If I had to bet, neither of those guys is on the Cleveland Browns in two years. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it until today. It was like the first half of that game, they were getting absolutely destroyed. And I got a text from a friend saying, if the Browns get a top pick in this draft, they should draft a quarterback. And I was like, I hadn't really considered that just because it's so recent that Baker Mayfield was number one overall. But that happens. I mean, the Cardinals did the same exact thing. They took Josh Rosen, what, three overall? And then a new GM and a new coach came in and they they got Kyler Murray the next year. I mean, teams will do that. Guys like to get get their guy. They don't necessarily want to inherit the incumbent person. And so, yeah, I, I don't think that's completely out of, outside the realm of possibility. Right. Like, I mean, if you talk about Baker and how he kind of stacks up against NFL quarterbacks and how good he is, what his value is, two questions for you. Rank him among the 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. What is he in the 15 to 20 range? At best. At best. He might be in the 20 to 25 range right Right. now. And if you if they put him on the market for a trade, what would they get? Not a lot. A mid round pick. 
probably. Right, like a third, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Would, a fourth? Something like that, probably. <laughs> yeah. like he, he's just, no, he, he hasn't done anything to really make you think that he is a franchise quarterback or a guy that can even get him to the playoffs. Yeah, and it's not like he doesn't have guys to throw to. He's got OBJ and Jarvis Landry. I mean, he's got, he's got some guys. They just they haven't put it together. They don't look good. Yeah, and Odell Beckham had a decent year last year, but it was a bit of a disappointment. And then today, Odell had, I think, three catches for 22 yards. Like, what is that? What are they doing? Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry led them in receiving with like six catches for 57 or something like that. Just, it's not great. And they gave they gave more carries to Kareem Hunt than Nick Chubb. I think that was partially a byproduct of them being down by so much. And Nick Chubb is still the number one guy. And so they're saving him. But it's just, it's a weird deal there. I just, they, they suck. They do suck. <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird deal with the running back situation. I feel like Nick Chubb needs to be more involved there. I think PFF ranked him pretty highly among running backs last year. He has like one of the highest elusiveness ratings in all of the game. He just makes guys miss. But anyway, Browns are a disaster from overreaction guy. They sure are. All right. Well, we also had a couple of big upsets this week. Let's start off with your boy Gardner Minshew and the Jags upsetting the Indianapolis Colts. After all signs were pointing to them going 0-16 and, and tanking for Trevor, but they're they're 1-0, they're undefeated on pace for 16-0. What do you think about that? Minshew mania, man. I mean, it's funny because I don't know, how many players can you name on their defense? I know Miles Jack. Yeah, I know Miles Jack. <laughs> yeah, you've heard of him? I mean, after they've traded all these guys, I think we mentioned like the six pro bowlers who were on that 2017 AFC championship game defense are all gone. They like they just don't have anyone. No, they don't. It's tough. I mentioned earlier in the in the mailbag, I still this is one of those box scores like you look at the team stats after the game. I have no idea how they won. The total yards were 445 to 241 in favor of the Colts. So they almost got doubled up in total yards. First downs are 27 to 17. Colts also had fewer penalties. Like just everything points to the Colts winning other than Phillip Rivers did throw two interceptions, which really hurts. And Hot Rod. The noodle, man. I know. Hot Rod doing the field goal off the uprights. So any points that you leave off the board are, are tough. But yeah, I mean, not a good start for the Colts, but really good start for the Jags unless you're trying to lose, which they are. So I'm not sure if it's a good start for either team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at uh, who was the Bengals that were supposed to have, or no, the Dolphins were supposed to have the number one overall pick this past year, ended up at number five, still got their quarterback. So that might be what happens with the Jags. They'll end up with the, the fourth, fifth, sixth pick, but we'll see what they do. I wonder if there's going to be any mid, more midweek trades for the Jags this week. They're like, well, we didn't try hard enough. We didn't get rid of enough guys let's get rid of more i mean maybe i mean i don't think they have many more tradable assets other than dj chart lavisca chenault jr yep (laughs) he's a weapon dude all right and then the other big upset was the eagles versus the washington football team i mean this was a big one the eagles were supposed to be one of the two favorites alongside the cowboys for the nfc east champions what did you see in this game So I saw the Eagles get up 17 to nothing and then just start making really bad mistakes. I mean, Carson Wentz, I think he turned the ball over three or four times. He looked terrible in the second half, but I think that's just attributable to their offensive line situation. We had mentioned they lost Pro Bowl guard Brandon Brooks, then they lost left tackle Andre Dillard, then who else got hurt? They had Lane Lane Johnson was out today. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some crazy stat about how they perform with and without Lane Johnson. So him being out of the lineup, that's three out of five starting offensive linemen that's just a nightmare well it clearly showed because uh they gave up eight sacks eight which is tough so chase young in his nfl debut had one and a half sacks which is a really good start for him ryan kerrigan had two today to bring him up to 92 career sacks i i've mentioned it before but that guy just does not get enough recognition in my opinion for how good of a career he's had he came into the league at the same time or close to the same time as guys like jj watt and chandler jones 
and has just about as many career sacks as they do. I think they have, both have like 96 and he has 92. I mean, that's awesome. He's had a great career and no one really talks about him. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I guess that's just kind of the effect of being on a really bad team for most of your career. But yeah, we talked about Chandler Jones having 96 career sacks last week. And I mean, the, the record for a career in the NFL is 200. So yeah, Ryan Kerrigan having 92 already is pretty impressive. That's pretty sick. I also had a question for you. So I was, I was trying to write this earlier and I was just thinking about this. So I was writing that the Eagles were unable to block and I couldn't say the Redskins, but then I can't say the Eagles were unable to block the football team. Like, what do you say? The Eagles were unable to block the football players? I, I don't know. Do you just call them Washington or I think it's just football team? I don't know. We're just going to have to think about that one. If you have any suggestions, please let us know. Moving on now to a couple of big shootouts that we had today. Let's start off with our hometown Atlanta Falcons versus your Super Bowl champion pick, the Seattle Seahawks. Anything stand out to you there? Big time. It's something that we talked about a few days ago about how the analytics nerds hate the Seahawks because they run the ball too much and take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. And with all of the kind of clamoring for them to switch that up, let let Russ cook and do his thing, that's what they did today, and it worked out big time. They ran the ball 20 times today, and they let Russ throw it 35 times. Russ completed 31 of 35 passes, which is a crazy like 89% mm-hmm. uh, for 322 yards and four touchdowns. So if that's the way that they're going to come out, they're going to let him sling the ball around to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and all of those weapons he has, Chris Carson out of the backfield. I mean, they they're going to be really good. And that's the reason they're my Super Bowl pick. Mr. Unlimited, dude. Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> you got to love Mr. Unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> 31 for 35 is insane. I did I did a double take when I first saw that because it didn't necessarily like stand out in the game. But looking at the stat line, I was like, oh my gosh, that's hard to do, especially when you consider that you throw the ball away sometimes and stuff. But yeah, he was a beast. And then on the other side of the ball, Jamal Adams made the front office for the Seahawks look really good in this game. He was all over the field today. He was making tackles in the open field. He was covering receivers down the field, stuffing the run, rushing the passer. He ended up with 12 tackles total, including two for loss and a sack. He just looked awesome. He did, and he's just a perfect example of how like some safeties and a little bit of the linebacker position continues to evolve because you can label him, but he doesn't really have a label. Mm-hmm. Like they call him a safety, but there was a big third and two where the Falcons were, you know, in their territory. They brought Jamal Adams up kind of to play off of the left edge and he just made a huge stop forcing a punt. So he just he can line up anywhere, he can be in the box, he can play single high safety, he's gonna get interceptions, sacks, he just does everything. So yeah, I think did you pick him? for defensive player of the year no i picked daniel hunter for defensive player of the year and then he went on ir like two days later so i'm still sad about that gotcha anyway i think jamal adams is kind of a sleeper for that so i just with mr unlimited on one side and jamal on the other they're just good yeah that's quite the tandem right there (laughs) the way you say mr unlimited i just can't take it seriously (laughs) yeah it's super cringy i apologize i'll stop that but yeah the the seahawks kind of spoiled a big debut for todd Gurley for the falcons he had 56 yards and a touchdown they had a huge fantasy day for their wide receivers julio jones had 157 yards calvin ridley had 130 and two tutties and then even russell gage had nine catches for 114 yards so good day to have falcons and fantasy football bad day to be a falcons fan yeah unfortunately it was kind of what you expect from the falcons right i mean they've got a ton of talent on offense they're going to put up points they're going to put up yards they had 500 yards of offense this game in this game and still lost by double digits like that's a tough look it's not great and they haven't done a ton to upgrade that defense so Yeah, I think that their head coach, Dan Quinn, might be also sending in an application for our sound intern here in a month or two. 
the two of us, Adam Gase and Dan Quinn, sounds like a pretty fantastic four, though. Like, we could do some serious damage there. Yeah, we could. That's Plus, an offensive guy, a defensive guy. Plus, they know some guys. They could recruit some listeners. Yeah. Maybe we should get some college coaches, though, because they're better at recruiting. That's a good point. I like it. All right. Well, let's move on to the other shootout now, which was the Packers versus the Vikings. This one was crazy. They were over 900 yards of offense in this game between the two teams. Anything stand out to you in this game? Yes, because as soon as you kind of think you figured out who the Packers are or who they want to be, they just hit us with a blast from the past. I mean, we, we talked about how they spent their offseason, you know, gearing up to be this run first team. They drafted a. AJ Dillon in the second round to be kind of a grounded pound Derrick Henry type guy for Matt LaFleur's offense and then they come out and Aaron Rodgers just goes vintage Rodgers with 364 yards and four touchdowns Devontae went nuts I mean (laughs) it's just hilarious that they did the exact opposite of what we were expecting from them this season yeah I feel like Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily get talked about quite as much anymore as he used to in terms of the top tier quarterbacks but then I was watching this game and he just makes some throws you're like oh yeah that's why he's Aaron Rodgers. That's why he's won a couple MVPs in the Super Bowl. Like this guy's really good. He especially had this one throw on I think the right, yeah, it was on the right sideline or the right end zone really to Devontae Adams for a kind of a toe tap touchdown. That was just a beautiful throw on the run. You're like, okay, he's still good. He's still got it. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a bad dude. I mean, he'll still throw some off his back foot or run into his right, and you're like, wow, how did he drop that one in there? But yeah, guys just full of dimes. Yeah, one thing to look out for for the Packers in future weeks is their offensive line has taken a beating they had a couple injuries today after already having a couple of injuries coming in and at one point towards the end of the game they were down to one lineman left on the bench that was you know an actual offensive lineman or else they were gonna have to go with some d linemen so not good for the future we'll see kind of who they fill the squad with during the week this week but they need some protection for aaron Rodgers. good news is all those fill-ins played great and he got sacked zero times so that's pretty awesome Yep. So good win for the Packers. Great way to start the season against a division rival. And the Vikings were the favorite in this division. I mean, I personally took the Packers, but a good start for them in the NFC North. So let's talk about the Vikings now for a little bit. They are kind of like what we were saying earlier about the Texans, where they're a little bit boring. You just know exactly who they are. They're going to beat bad teams. They're probably going to lose to good teams. They're going to lose primetime games. I mean, (laughs) the Vikings, I I don't know. Some people are high on them this year. I'm out. They're kind of like the quintessential eight and eight or nine and seven team to me. You know, good, not great. Not going to do a whole lot of damage. Probably. We talked about how they had a lot of turnover on defense this off season, including I think six new starters. And that clearly showed today they were not on the same page, giving up as many yards as they did. Hopefully they'll be better once Daniel Hunter, my guy comes back in a couple weeks off of IR, but right now, not a good start for that defense. No, it was not. And yeah, they're going to miss Everson Griffin too. I mean, I know they backfilled one of those guys with Yannick Ngakwe, but they just, yeah, a lot of turnover. That's, that's hard to deal with for Mike Zimmer's defense. Well, let's turn now to the most depressing game of the day for me. And that was my Detroit Lions against the Chicago Bears. The Lions had a big second half lead. And at one point they had a 98% win probability. And then they went into full collapse mode. I mean, this was even beforehand, but Jamie Collins decided to headbutt a ref in the chest and get ejected, which should have signaled to me that the, the end was coming soon. They, they blew it towards the end of the game. They ended up having a potential touchdown game-winning drive. 
and Matthew Stafford threw to a wide open DeAndre Swift in the end zone with six seconds left, and he let it fall through his hands, and they blew it, and I'm sad. That was tough to watch. Yeah, it was depressing for you for multiple reasons because your surprise team of the year, the Detroit Lions, started 0-1 when they definitely should have won, and then also because the game was kind of blown there at the end by a Georgia Bulldog great DeAndre Swift. So yeah. I hated to see that for you. The Lions got up 23-6. to The Bears came storming back with a heroic effort from Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. It was like, what was it, early in the second half, and I texted you because people were already kind of starting to talk about, like, is Trubisky going to get benched today? Mm-hmm. Like, they might as well bring Foles in down 23-6, to six, right? And then Bisky throws three touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone, and they win 27-23. Oh, I mean, gosh. just delaying this painful quarterback dance that they're going to do all season long for at least another week. Yes, they are. It hurts my heart. At the beginning of the game, I thought Trubisky was going to hit the under on the over-under I set last week at three and a half series before he gets replaced as the starting quarterback. But then, like you said, he turned it on, and I've got to give it to him. That game-winning touchdown pass to Anthony Miller at the end of the game was a beautiful pass. I mean, he actually played pretty well in the second half. But it's one of those things like, doesn't that kind of suck for the Bears now because he did just enough to retain the, the position and now they got to go with him again? Yes, exactly. It's just, it's it's going to be somebody new for the Bears in the very near future. It's just a matter of time. Right. I think the new over-under, you said three and a half series. Let's let's go with three and a half games. Okay, that's fair. One other thing we have to mention is that the injury of Kenny Galladay, I'm kind of just rationalizing why the Lions lost, but injury of Kenny Galladay definitely hurt. Lions desperately need him back in the lineup if their offense is going to be what it's supposed to be. I mean, today I think Danny Amendola was their leading receiver, which he's a great slot, you know, third guy behind uh, Marvin Jones and Galladay, but he's not a number one guy. So hopefully once they get him back to turn it on, I'm still on the Lions. I like it. Yeah, if Amendola is your number one guy things probably didn't go well but yeah we'll, we'll keep an eye on the lions hopefully they step it up for you and then my other team that i loved coming into the year was bill's mafia they looked really good today although everybody looks good against the new york new york jets but my guy josh allen especially was feeling it especially in the first half like we were looking for him to take a step forward as far as accuracy is concerned this year after being 58 percent last year and he had a really good game in terms of accuracy overall he was 33 for 46 he did have one throw where John Brown was wide open in the end zone and he overthrew him by like 100 yards. But overall, yeah. I'll still take it. So I have here in my notes that this was the most Josh Allen game I've ever seen because he played really well in you know some aspects, threw for over 300 yards and a few touchdowns. But yeah, he had I actually had down here two of the worst throws you'll ever see from an NFL quarterback. <laughs> one of them was that one to Josh Allen where he threw it so John far Brown, over yeah. his... John Brown. Threw it so far over his head, everyone just kind of like stopped and looked around like, what was that? And then he had one before that, I think, where he was rolling to his left and a guy was just as open in the left back corner of the end zone and he just threw it like three yards wide like to the left Mm -hmm. out of bounds and just like dude those are easy tutties against better teams not the dumpster fire jets you have to convert those if you're going to beat good ball clubs yeah i still love the guy though he's still a beast i mean 300 yards throwing and a couple touchdowns plus he was the leading rusher too i think he had 57 yards on the ground and a touchdown like i still love the guy i'm rooting for him plus he's my fantasy quarterback this year so just between the fact that i'm all in on the bills and he's my my fantasy quarterback like i gotta go for josh allen this year right and he's kind of my fantasy quarterback too i'm in five leagues so everyone's my fantasy yep, quarterback but seriously anyway yeah he, he played well he just he needs to step up yeah i think that with how good the rest of that roster is that the bills are going to go as far this year as josh allen takes them like if he takes a step forward and becomes you know mvp ish candidate or even like a top 10 quarterback in the nfl the bills are a super bowl contender 
They are. Their defense is nasty. I mean, you're not going to score a ton of points on them. So, yeah, Josh Allen just needs to keep it going. They, if they can average like 24 points a game, they're, they're gold. Let's take a turn to the Jets now. The Jets are bad. That's just to say the least. And I had a question for you. So, like, you know how the Boston Red Sox were cursed for, you know, 100 years or so, and there was a clear event that marked the beginning of that curse, which is trading Babe Ruth? Uh-huh. I wonder if the butt fumble is the the beginning of a Jets curse Ooh. that lasts for decades. The famous Mark Sanchez butt fumble. Yes. It, it could be. Yeah, I mean, at one point today, I think Sam Darnold was running full speed at the back of one of his offensive linemen and, and slid just in time. But one of the announcers mentioned that going into that, it was very reminiscent of the lead up to the butt fumble. And that just kind of reminded me like, wow, that was the beginning of the end of the Jets. And they have been, you know, not great. They'll have an occasional year where they're some like semi-successful, but they're not going to win anything ever until they break that curse of the butt fumble. (laughs) I agree with you there. Maybe we should make t-shirts to kind of raise awareness about the butt fumble curse for the New York Jets, but they're in a bad spot and they're not just going to like, they're going to keep getting killed in these games, but it's not just that. It's like, you can see if you look at the box score, you look at the sideline, the trouble brewing, like Adam Gase is clearly on the hot seat. You look at the box score today, Le'Veon Bell, I think had six carries. Like, you know that he's very unhappy there. It's just going to be more of a disaster every week that goes on. And there's, I just, I don't see any way Adam Gase is their head coach past like week six. Yeah. There are teams in the NFL that are bad that you look at them. You're like, yes, they're bad, but the future is bright. They've got some good young players. They've got a good front office and coaching situation. Their salary cap situation is good. They've compiled some draft assets. You're like, okay, they suck, but they have a future. The Jets suck and have no future. Like they're just, they have no step in the next direction. They're going to take that. I can even remotely see going well. I agree with you, but they are kind of the primary example of what I was talking about with the Jags and Gardner Minshew about how you can't start a rebuild with a quarterback because if you surround a star young quarterback with no talent, it's just going to be a disaster. Like that's just kind of my example for why you don't do that. If they go kind of the Panthers route where they spent all seven draft picks on defense, just try to build talent elsewhere and then just get like one of these filler quarterbacks like, I don't know, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum did it for a year with the Vikings one of those guys and kind of bridge the gap to where you have talent and are somewhat ready to win for once you land that star quarterback. Yeah, it's it's really tough to try to balance between the two. I mean, some of the teams that have done the best recently are the teams that have found a mid-round quarterback that's become their eventual starter. I mean, Russell Wilson, for example, was not a top-of-the-draft guy. I mean, obviously, you can't bank on that. But if you can find a guy in the second, third, or fourth round, I mean, Dak Prescott was a fourth rounder, that you can end up throwing in there and starting for multiple years, that helps you a ton because then you can also have other talent to put him to put him inside of. Yes, no, that, that helps immensely. Uh, you mentioned Dak, and people will point to that and say he hasn't won much in the playoffs yet, but I think he's like 40 and 24 in his four years in the league. I mean, that's, I think, second in wins behind Tom Brady during that time. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like, if you find a quarterback in the late rounds, you're in good shape. Yeah, I mean, he threw for almost 5,000 yards last year, so you'll take that in the fourth round. That'll play. All right, and then uh, let's talk about a couple. We've been kind of pairing these games, you know, shootouts, upsets. These are the boring games. We got two kind of boring games last. I mean, Raiders versus Panthers. I'm not sure any one was really excited about this one going into except Michael the Troll and uh, the, <laughs> the Raiders had a hard fought W against the Panthers today my guy Henry Ruggs my offensive rookie of the year pick was looking fire early in the game then he had an injury he went to the locker room ended up coming back in the game but didn't really do anything afterwards but I'm still holding out hope for Henry Ruggs Josh Jacobs also had three touchdowns that guy's a stud what'd you think about the Raiders 
I like the Raiders. Um, Jacobs is a stud for fantasy purposes. This game was just basically fantasy football. Mm-hmm. It really <laughs> was. No one cares about the outcome. Neither of these teams is going to make the playoffs. So it's just Josh Jacobs versus the cheat code Christian McCaffrey. He also had multiple touchdowns. But yeah, there just wasn't much to see here other than, you know, Matt Rule's debut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most frustrating part of the Panthers game like for the Panthers in this game was that at the end they still had a chance to win it and they had a fourth and inches on a potential game-winning drive and instead of handing the ball to the best running back in the game Christian McCaffrey they gave it to a fullback and he got stuffed I do respect Matt Rule's kind of response to this after the game did you see it no I didn't a reporter asked him you know it's fourth and inches game on the line why would you not give the ball to the best running back in the game and he just said good question (laughs) (laughs) yeah respect for that at least well you got me on that one you should have just said because we're tanking (laughs) exactly so yeah not a great start for the panthers but it's a rebuilding year for them anyways they're a new team i mean still a respectable effort in game one kind of looking forward to see their future but not going to be this year for them no it's not and speaking real quick of giving the ball to a fullback and just not giving the ball to the correct guys it made me laugh to see Jason Witten catch a pass for the Raiders today it's just so weird to see him in any uniform other than the Cowboys uniform but he I guess even though he switched from Dallas to Las Vegas now still thinks that it's illegal to gain yards after the catch yeah, he just goes directly horizontal to the white line that is known as out of bounds as fast as he possibly can, which is not that fast. It's exactly what he did. He yep. He got a catch like down within the five-yard line, I think. Just one catch for two yards. Good it, game, Wit. It's kind of as if he thinks that the clock is always running out and that getting out of bounds is the first priority. Yeah, I mean, someday it's going to be a huge play. <laughs> All right, and then the last game of the early games, we've got the Patriots versus the Dolphins. And after the initial excitement of seeing the clown suit that Cam Newton was wearing and then just seeing him in a Patriots uniform and behind center rather than Tom Brady, this was probably the least exciting game of the day to watch. There was just not a lot of entertainment going on. Anything that you want to talk about here? Well, first of all, like you mentioned, love Cam's pregame outfit. I saw him compared on Twitter to both Curious George and Mr. Peanut just in that yellow suit. I mean, he was looking fresh. Yeah, it's just so strange to see him in any uniform other than a Panthers uniform, but also just it's not Tom Brady. Like, it's just so strange. strange. It was so weird. It's very, very weird to watch. But what I took away from this game is just the Patriots kind of offensive philosophy now that they've switched from the goat Brady to Cam Newton, and they're just going to unleash him. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he's, if he's there on a one-year deal, they're not going to be concerned long-term about injuries. So they let him carry the ball 15 times for 75 yards. So he's just going to kind of lead the way. They're going to let him run the ball. They're going to play good defense and just trying to grind teams down. Yeah, he didn't throw a whole lot, but he, like you said, he ran the ball well. And as they've been doing the last couple of years, because even last year with Brady, their offense wasn't good. They won this game with defense. They picked off Ryan Fitzpatrick three times. And this is just what the Patriots do. They they tailor their strategy to their personnel and they find a way to win football games. You got to respect them for it. I think they're going to be, you know, eight and eight to 10 and 6 again this year that's doing what they do yep and then wrapping it up real quick on the Dolphins I mean the only exciting thing about the Dolphins this season is just what they do at quarterback they started Ryan Fitzpatrick today and that might be the case for at least several weeks but I think the Fitz magic has kind of run out at this point <laughs> that whole thing's run its course he's just a backup quarterback in the league now um, so we want to see Tua Tagovailoa I want to see him in there I know people have at least floated the idea of this being an entire redshirt year for him coming off of you know a couple major injuries during his college career at Alabama, but I want to see him out there. Me too. I'm excited to see Tua. I mean, he's going to be, I think he's going to be really good. And he's also going to be the only left-handed quarterback in the NFL, right? 
yeah, we need more lefties. Yeah, you're you're a lefty. You're going to be rooting for the lefties. Okay, yeah. Well, let's see Tua. Hopefully, in the near future, Fitzpatrick's just like you said, doing his job. He's the holdover. Tua is the future. Tua is the future. Yeah. Despite him ruining my life in 2017, he's still a relatively easy guy to cheer for. So we'll see what he can do if he can make some noise here as a rookie. But anyway, let's move on now from the one o'clock games into the 4:30 slate. So we just watched the end right here of the Saints and Bucks game. What'd you see in this one, Lando? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I got really pumped at the beginning of the game just seeing Tom Brady out there in a Bucks uniform. I was like, this is kind of crazy. Unfortunately, he did not have a great game. He threw, I think he ended up with two picks. I didn't really see the end of the game very very much, but he threw two picks, including a pick six. You know, they had just kind of a eh, game. The announcers were talking early in the game how the Saints kind of have a distinct advantage going into the season, given the fact that they're bringing back all their key players and their coaching staff. They just have so much continuity. So a lack of preseason games and a lack of camp doesn't affect them as much as it affects other teams. And I think that showed today, especially playing against a team with so many new guys. I mean, they just, they kind of outplayed them the entire game and, and won by double digits, 140 to 23. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I'm terribly surprised by this result. I think the Bucks will be pretty solid this year. I picked them to win a wild card or get a wild card spot, but it's just going to take some time to get this thing together. Like game one coming out, out against one of the NFC favorites, like that's pretty tough. Yeah. I think the Bucks are pretty easy pick for a team that's going to look better and better as the season goes on. I expect by the second half of the season, they'll really hit their stride and and be going and be pretty dangerous. I think so too. And it's going to depend on how Brady plays. I mean, like you said, he came out hot. They scored a touchdown on his quarterback sneak on their first drive of the day. And then after that, he kind of did his best Jameis Winston impression. Yeah, he did. He's just airing it all over the place to both teams. It it was kind of exactly what Jameis did last year. Yeah. Kind of hitting the pace for what? 33 touchdowns and 30 30 interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. The 30, 30 club. It's not a club you want to be in in football great club in baseball not a great football club the 30 30 club right (laughs) yeah so tom brady i mean now that he's joined the nfc south i just still think unequivocally the saints are just clearly the best team in this division they're gonna win it again they're gonna finish what 12 13 wins maybe get a one seed so i don't know saints are uh saints are a team to beat in the nfc it's just gonna depend on whether they invent a new devastating way to exit the playoffs this year I picked the Bucks to win this division last week, and I'm not backing down yet. Okay. Although the Saints are really, really good, I think the Bucks sneak it out towards the end of the year. But you're right, the Saints are awesome. Yep. And then talking about another NFC contender, the San Francisco 49ers game just wrapped up. They got upset by the Arizona Cardinals 24 to 20. And by the way, this is one of our love it or fade it games from last week. We introduced that new segment and introduced a competition for sports betting on Instagram. So please keep an eye out for those Instagram posts on Thursdays and make your picks for a chance to win a $100 StubHub gift card. But yeah, Lando, what'd you think? 24 to 20 Cardinals. Yeah, definitely unexpected here. I mean, the Niners were a little bit susceptible today, missing their top two receivers, but let's give credit to the Cardinals. They played a great game. Kyler Murray had an okay game passing, but he was dynamite on the ground. He had 13 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown. And I feel like every time I looked up at the screen, he was scrambling around like crazy, making additional time for him to get the ball off in the passing game. DeAndre Hopkins in his Cardinals debut killed it. 14 receptions, 151 yards. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. Such a beast. I mean, the Kyler DeAndre connection is going to be sick. I mean, if those guys can get it together and do even remotely that on a weekly basis, they're going to be a really high scoring team. They've got a lot of weapons out there with Kenyon Drake, Larry Fitz, Christian Kirk, in addition to him. So yeah, they're, they're going to be really good. And they're just so much fun to watch. I feel like Kyler Murray is, is not, he's not Lamar Jackson level, but he's also in that realm as far as fun quarterbacks to watch just because all the crazy stuff that he does in the backfield, he's scrambling like crazy all the time. 
and he so, looks so little. You mentioned earlier he runs kind of like a midget, and he does. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah, he, he's quick. He's really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this division, it's deep. It's really good with these two and the Seahawks and the Rams. So yeah, look out for the, the Cardinals to be a little bit of a sleeper pick here. I picked them personally to go 8-8. Eight and eight. I just don't like their defense all that much. But the way they stepped up today, wow. Yeah, and I'm not really too concerned about the Niners. I think the Niners are going to be fine. They're still going to have a really good year, and I still think they're going to win the division. Just kind of a little setback at the beginning of the year, and credit to the Cardinals. Yeah, but the 49ers were the Super Bowl loser. So if I'm being overreaction guy, what if this is the beginning of the end for them? You can say that all you want. I'm just going to disagree. <laughs> Niner, Niners are solid. They're going to be fine. All right. Fair enough. And then this last game on the 430 slate, another super boring one, <laughs> the Bengals and the Chargers. I mean, the coolest thing about this game is the debut of Joe Burrow fresh off of the best college football performance season in history. Uh, what do you think about Burrow and the Bengals? Yeah, I think that this game overtook the Patriots and Dolphins for the most boring game to watch of the day. It was just a dud all the way through. It was fun to watch Joe Burrow at the beginning. He had a pretty fun touchdown run. I think it was a 23-yard touchdown run early on. And then he was just kind of eh from then on, which is what rookie quarterbacks are expected to do in the NFL. It's a difficult league to play in. He went 23 for 36 for 193 yards and a pick. Also had 46 yards on the ground. So it's okay. He's going to be fine eventually. He's going to be a stud eventually, but not a great start for them. And then the Chargers, on the other hand, with Tyrod Taylor, a quarterbacker, not the most fun team to watch. No. So the Chargers, at least they got the win. They start off 1-0 in the Tyrod era, but they're just going to be so hard to watch offensively. I mean, <laughs> Tyrod, like he is what he is. He threw for 208 yards, completed 16 of 30 passes. They're just not going to be a super exciting team. I like their defense, but selling on the Chargers. Yes, I am with you there. All right, is that it for all the games of the NFL today? Yes, that is all of the NFL games today. And then we have Cowboys and Rams on Sunday Night Football. So that'll be a fun one to watch. But yeah, you want to talk about some NBA action? Let's talk about some NBA. I think we have to lead it off with the Denver Nuggets taking it to Game 7 against the Clippers, beating them today, earlier today in Game 6. They're just doing this thing every game where they don't try in the first half. They're like rope-a-dope. They lull the Clippers to sleep. They get like a give up like a 16-point, 19-point lead, whatever, and then just go on a tear in the second half and absolutely annihilate them. And it's so much fun to watch. I know. It's crazy. And so we're going to have Game 7 on Tuesday night. Really looking forward to that, seeing how both teams come out. But towards the end of this Game 6 today, I heard Van Gundy kind of mention the fact that the Clippers don't really have like a clear leader. Mm-hmm. They have their two best players, clearly, are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But they're both just such quiet guys. You never see them kind of yelling at teammates getting super fired up about things and this is just a time where they need a leader they've got to be resilient they've got to come play their best game so who is that guy i mean is it montrez harrell joe kim noah yeah (laughs) like who's it gonna be they don't have a lot of experience in winning aside from Kawhi leonard they're just i'm not sure they know what to do in this situation all the momentum is in favor of the favor of the nuggets i still think the clippers are the better team but with the way the series is going don't you have to kind of like the nuggets in game seven a little bit i mean it's not going to be a one-sided thing like anything could happen in game seven anything could happen i mean you get to game seven especially when there's no home court advantage the nuggets can absolutely win this game if you ask me you know who i want to bet on it's going to be the clippers but i will not be shocked by anything here I mean, that one-two punch of Jokic and Murray is just tough to stop. That supporting cast has played really, really well. Michael Porter as a third option is great. Gary Harris coming back as a perimeter defender has been a huge addition to that lineup. I'm rooting for the Nuggets just because they're super cool. 
And then just like that conference finals of Lakers versus Nuggets and Heat versus Celtics would be the coolest four teams remaining that I think I could ever remember in the NBA. <laughs> so I, I like your appreciation for the Nuggets, but I think most people would rather see Lakers Clippers in that Western Conference Finals, right? Including, unfortunately, the NBA. Yes, maybe. But the Nuggets are dope, man. How can you not root for the Nuggets? I think a lot of people would root for the Nuggets. I'm pulling for them, but do you really think the NBA is going to allow that to happen? Like, it won't surprise me in Game 7 if the Nuggets shoot 10 free throws and the Clippers shoot 1,000. I'm not a conspiracy theorist like that, so I don't (laughs) think the NBA is going to dictate at all whether or not they're going to allow or disallow something to happen. So, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I would bet on the Clippers to win, but I want the Nuggets to win. Okay, fair enough. Well, Game 7, Tuesday night, we will know soon enough who it's going to be facing off against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. But yeah, you want to talk about Lakers and Rockets real quick? Yeah, I was overreaction guy in that one. I mean, I just kind of thought the Lakers were terrible again after Game 1 because they looked terrible. And then they just completely turned it around, talked about how Rondo was a monster and kind of flipped the series in a way with what he provided as a ball handler, allowing LeBron to go into more of scoring and attack mode. I mean, LeBron was amazing in this series. He was so good. They also didn't have any answer for Anthony Davis. And then like you had mentioned before, there was just a different third or fourth guy for the Lakers stepping up every night. I mean, Kuzma had good games. Rondo had good games. Caruso, KCP, Danny Green had a good game the other night. I mean, the supporting cast is playing as well as they have since the restart, since the bubble started. And if they continue to do that, I think that they could come out of the West. They absolutely could. They're the one seed. I mean, they should be one of the favorites up there, and they seem to be really rounding into form right now. The problem is they just need to start faster in these series because you can't come out looking like that against, you know, the Clippers or the Nuggets and expect to survive. But I think I have finally figured out exactly what's going on with the Lakers. Their new playoff tradition is when a series starts, they do like a a beat Bobby Flay competition Mm -hmm. uh, internally, and they have their team do like a taste test and then vote on who made the best weed brownies between between J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters before game one. And then, so after they lose game one by about 20 points, they just kind of snap into it and win the next four. Okay. They did it against the Blazers. I they mean, did it again against the Rockets. And now they might do it again in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, if you had told me that story as like background, as if it were fact before the series started, it would have played along perfectly. It's it's completely believable based on how awful they have looked in both game ones this playoffs. But yeah, I think they're going to come out a little bit stronger whenever the Western Conference Finals starts in game one of that series because you can't fall behind 1-0 automatically there or you're in trouble. No, you can't. So we'll figure out who the Lakers are going to be playing on Tuesday. Switching over to the Rockets real quick. I mean, I just want to mention two things on them real quick. One is that James Harden's playoff struggles seem to continue. I mean, if he wants to have a really good legacy as one of the best players ever, he's one of the best scorers ever for sure, then he needs to step it up in terms of playoff performance. And then another thing I wanted to mention is that the news came out that Mike D'Antoni, for one reason or another, will not be returning as their head coach next year. Yeah, that's huge news as far as Mike D'Antoni is concerned because that entire roster is constructed in a way that benefits the, his playing style. I mean, the the reason they got rid of all their big guys, the reason they got all the small guys and the 3 and D shooters is just because they want to play Mike D'Antoni's style. So that's big news. I'm not going to... I don't think this is any indictment whatsoever on James Harden's playoff performance. He averaged like 29 points, seven assists, and five rebounds in the series on 50% shooting, despite facing double teams on nearly every possession. Like, this is not James Harden's fault. He's great. He played great. Losing to LeBron and Anthony Davis and the number one seed Lakers doesn't mean he performed badly. It means he played a better team. 
Okay. I, I like the James Harden defense. I can get behind that. But yeah, it just kind of marks the end of an era for this Rockets team. I don't know which direction they're going to head in, but I saw a tweet earlier today from ESPN's Ramona Shelburne that I kind of agreed with. And it was kind of pointing out the fact that in an era when a lot of teams were either tanking over the last five, six years, or just kind of waiting out this Golden State Warriors dynasty, the Rockets really went for it. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, as this era kind of comes to a close, we'll see what they do. We just kind of have to respect that. I like the fact that Daryl Morey, their GM, just kind of went for it and made that, tra- made that trade for Chris Paul, made a trade for Russell Westbrook, and they, they tried to win. Yeah, I, I really respect that. And I think it worked to some extent. I mean, I think the Rockets, I will always believe, the Rockets were one Chris Paul hamstring away from winning the finals. Yeah, that, that game seven, that year, yeah. they were the better team. Yeah, they were the better team. They had the Warriors on the ropes. They were completely outplaying them. Chris Paul went down with a hamstring injury and the rest is history. So I, like you said, completely commend the Rockets for going for it. One thing that's kind of come out of this series for me is that I'm out on Russell Westbrook. I'm just, I'm out on him. Like, no, I, I've been out on Russell Westbrook I, I for years. I'm late to that party. I mean, he's a, he's a great stat stuffer. He's a great box score guy, but I just don't think you want him on our team when you're trying to win a championship. He doesn't understand his role well enough. He doesn't understand his strengths and weaknesses. And I just, I just don't want him on my team. Especially in an era of kind of increased usage of analytics, it's all about efficiency, and he's just not a super efficient player. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll just come out some nights, and you have no idea what you're going to get. Like, he will have these 35, 10, and 10 games, but he'll also go out there and shoot, you know, nine for 30. And it's just like, dude, you kind of blew this game for us. Yeah, the problem is that he is a really good second best player on a team, right? He was a good second best player behind Kevin Durant. He's been a good second best player behind James Harden, but he doesn't understand that he's the second best player. No, he, he just has that alpha personality and refuses to take any kind of backseat to anyone. So I like that from like, a boxer, mm-hmm. but not from a basketball player. It just, it hasn't worked. Exactly. And then conversely, he's not good enough to be the number one guy on a team. So like, just where does he fit? I don't, I don't really get it. It's hard. Right. All right. And then lastly, let's switch on over to major league baseball. The season ends two weeks from today. Preston, anything standing out to you in baseball right now? Well, we have to mention today, Alec Mills for the Chicago Cubs through the second no hitter of the season against the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's kind of cool. That is very cool. We've also got a major potential upset happening in a division race. The White Sox were, before the season, a pretty clear third team behind the Twins and Indians in the AL Central. And right now, they're sitting at 30-16, and 16, a full game ahead of the second-place Twins. You got to love the White Sox. Your boy, Luis Robert, I think is going to be the favorite for AL MVP, or sorry, AL Rookie of the Year, not MVP. AL Rookie of the Year, along with Kyle Lewis. So that's a fun team to watch. Looking forward to see if they can do any damage in the playoffs. Yeah, and they might have the MVP too. I mean, Jose Abreu, I mm-hmm. think, is up to like 45 RBIs on the season. 48. 48? 48, and uh, he's second in major leagues with 15 bombs. So yeah, he's a yeah, beast. The other day, he had a game with two home runs and seven ribs. So mm-hmm. killing me in fantasy baseball. I'm really sad about it. But anyway, the White Sox are just absolutely killing it. They're 30 and 16. They are one game ahead of the Twins right now. And then the Indians, you mentioned, sitting there third in the division have lost six in a row. Mm-hmm. So they're streaking in the wrong direction. Uh, a team that we had mentioned last week going on a losing streak was the Yankees. They have now right, righted the ship, have won five in a row. So keep an eye on them. 
Yes, but even though they've won five in a row, they're still sitting at third in that division because you can't count out the Toronto Blue Jays who don't even have a home. The Buffalo Blue Jays. Sorry, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Yeah, the homeless Blue Jays are currently at 26 and 20. They did get Bo Bichette back today, which is a huge addition after he's been gone for a while with injury. So the Blue Jays, another just kind of a fun young team with all the volatility in the Major League Baseball playoffs, especially in that first round with only a three-game series. Like, the Blue Jays could make some noise. They absolutely could. Love them. They, they've got a lot of young talent, a lot of children of 90s stars, which they is have, fun to see. They have all the kids of the 90s stars. Like Biggio, Bichette, and Guerrero. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so random. And then last bit of American League news. This is a bit of sad news. One of our favorite teams, the Oakland A's, they have lost Matt Chapman for the season. Lando, I know we had our board bet on most home runs between Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, so I officially win that one, but in a very sad way. How you feeling? I'm very sad about that. I mean, between that and the Lions, it's been kind of a, <laughs> <laughs> a tough day for me. I mean, yeah, that board bet is officially over. But even like, as far as being more significant for baseball, that's a huge blow for the A's. They're one of the better teams in the American League right now. They're 29 and 17 and have a six-game lead over the Astros, the Cheaters, in the AL West. But I don't think without Matt Chapman, they can really do anything in the playoffs, especially once you get to this long seven-game series. That just really sucks. It does. So the Oakland Mats are kind of done for the year. We just now have one Matt. He's going to need to pick up the pace. Yeah, Oakland Matt Olson is going to have to hit like 30 more bombs going from here on out in order to make up for Matt Chapman. Just got to get hot. He's got to get real hot. And then right now, as we're watching this, we are currently in the fifth set tie break of the U.S. Open final between Team and Zverev. And uh, we're kind of on the edge of our seats seeing what's going to happen here. They both keep on blowing championship points and break points, it seems like. But... Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah, Dominic Team. I think you said he's, what, like the fourth or fifth ranked player in the world. I don't know nearly as much as you do about tennis. How old is he? Where is he from? He's from Austria, which there's only one thing to say to that. What? Well, good day, mate. Let's put another <laughs> shrimp on the bobby. Classic. There you go. Yeah, so uh, he's from Austria. You got Zvera from Germany. They're both good players, but they've been buried behind the, the threesome of Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal for so long that they haven't actually won anything. So good for these guys. One of them is going to win their first Grand Slam. Yeah, they are. We're watching it right now. Let's, let's see what happens here. Yeah, currently in a rally on the last championship point. There you go, team one. Let's go. There you go. Dominic team. There's Austrians, man. So yeah, that's uh, it's a big win for him. Pretty cool to see a guy winning it for the first time. But with that being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. If you haven't already, please follow us or subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify. Please leave us any ratings or reviews that you can. That would help us get this out to more people. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you have a great day. See you soon. Oh.